0: Welcome. Welcome. Hi, this is Gwendolyn Galsworth, your host on this, our weekly radio show, where we talk about and celebrate workplace visuality, letting the workplace speak. I'm so glad that you found time to tune in. I know how busy your day is. So in each of our shows, we look at some aspect of that, of how visuality allows us to embed the intelligence of our operational system into the living landscape of work through visual devices and visual systems. We install the details of our current level of enterprise excellence, operational excellence, even if we are not quite as excellent as we wish we would be or know we will be. Whether we work in a factory, a hospital, office, open pit mine, it doesn't matter. We work in a world of information. And in the visual workplace, that information is where and when we need it. As we need it, we pull it to us. And why do we bother? We bother because we get stunning bottom-line improvement in safety, cost, quality, productivity, on-time delivery, you name it, all your KPIs. We also get gain, cultivate, grow our cultural alignment, a spirited and engaged workforce on all levels, not just operators, but also the CEO, supervisors, engineers, maintenance guys and gals everyone. If you're in an office, that's everyone, the whole boardroom and you. We have this splendid cultural alignment because we're speaking the same language. It's a visual language. And the third reason we do it is so we enjoy ourselves at work. We enjoy ourselves along the way. We come to work to flow. How wonderful is that? So welcome, welcome. This week we're going to continue our conversation about doorway number one, in my 10 doorways model of creating a workforce of visual thinkers. And I want to remind you, please get in touch with us if you have questions or want to send photos or story, anything of that sort at radio at visualworkplace.com, radio at visualworkplace.com, or you can get in touch with us through our website, visualworkplace.com. Thanks. So, We were at doorway number one, wholly owned, if you recall, by Value Add Associates. Value Add Associates, or hourly workers if you're working in a factory, Value Add Associates, that means folks who are adding value to the process directly in an office, in healthcare, in a factory. Value Add Associates own this doorway. They own the doorway and they own the language that comes out of it. The notion of ownership might be a little bit weird or rare to you. It might be an unusual thought that anyone would own an invisible doorway or own a language of work. But this is fundamental to this model of this paradigm of workplace visuality. In visuality, ownership means two things. First, you have a real and present need for the kind of information that doorway targets. In the case of doorway one, we're targeting the visual wear. We're targeting the chronic information deficits that keep me from doing my work, that keep me from adding value. Me. Hmm? That's the first. The second part of ownership is that I get to invent the language. I get to invent, with my colleagues, the language of visual answers. If This isn't copycat from another company. This isn't cookie cutter out of a book. This is truly the cultivation of language. This is finding our information deficits. And Do you remember the questions we talked about, the two driving questions, talked about on the first and second show? And that is, my need to know, I'm going to get an answer, and I'm going to turn that answer into a visual device. I'm creating language. I'm creating the vocabulary. My need to share. What do I need to, what do I need to share that I know that other people need to know in order for them to do their work? I'm going to turn those answers into visual devices and add to the vocabulary, add to the language. The need to know, the need to share. I'm going to clarify that so that it comes back to your memory. The need to know is what do I need to know right now that I don't know in order to do my work? That is a question. I'm going to find the answer, whether it is where my pliers where are the supplies, what am I supposed to do next and next, what are the specs, where's the material, my need to know. And I'm going to put that answer in my corner of the world, my work area, so that I can pull that answer when and as I need it. That's what's going to give me the sense of control and also the sense of rest inside of me, the sense of psychic safety. And, of course, physical safety as well. So that's the first driving question. That's very, very important to anybody who works. And that need to know varies depending on your organizational function. If you're an operator, if you're a machinist, if you're a secretary, if you're a boardroom person, if you're a CEO, supervisor, head of engineering, those needs to know vary. Those are missing answers. Those are chronic questions, and I'm going to populate my area with the answers through visual devices. I'm going to create that language. The other question, what do I need to share? What do I know that other people need to know that I need to share so that they can do their work more quickly, more completely, more safely, mm, better? And I share those answers through visuality as well. I create a visual language that serves others. Be careful, what I just described to you is not methodology, it's conceptual. These are principles of visuality, the principle of need to know, the principle of need to share. And now we're talking about doorway one. And that doorway one owns the need to know and need to share on the level of value add. And fundamentally, when you're on the value add level, especially in factories, especially in open pit mines, especially in utilities, especially in healthcare, your need to know question is where. And so we describe doorway one as the domain of the visual where. You may know this as 5S. I've always found that descriptor 5S to be a shorthand that is a little bit too short. First of all, it describes a process and not an outcome. It's really, really hard to get motivated by doing and redoing and creating and recreating a process rather than an outcome. More about that later. But 5S is an opportunity to establish the visual wear, but it is usually not completely done. So, we're going to talk about doorway number one. We're going to pick up our conversation from our last show where I talked about the Japanese approach, which was which is extremely mature and has a very narrow focus. That narrow focus was safety, cleanliness and order, in order to support quality. And it has morphed into, over the last 30 years, into something much more elaborate and, I think, not as effective. I was recalling for you, for you something that you know, that the Japanese culture is very different than our own. The Japanese culture fosters working together. That means doing 5S together, fostering a sense of higher purpose and beauty and strength and service and contribution. Remember some of the homilies, a single arrow is easily broken but not 10 in a bundle. Or individually, we are one drop, together we are the ocean. There is this theme about human fulfillment through work that is very common. That is a natural part of the Japanese social psyche. And remember our four friends, how different they are. Elephant, monkey, rabbit, bird, in that order. Elephant, monkey, rabbit, bird, high degree of Diversity, all working for the same outcome. In this case, they're planting a tree, they're protecting it, they're harvesting the fruit. That's the image, a very famous image in the Japanese culture. So friendship and cooperation and good relationships with others is is important. There's a high premium put on that. And you know what? We're different. We are motivated by competition, by hierarchy, strength, power, size. And when 5S came here, we didn't understand it. I was around. That was 1982, 83, for heaven's sakes. 5S came along, and we didn't know what to do with it. We just knew there was something going on in Japan, and we better pay attention, and 5S seemed very different, so let's do it. And that was a very interesting time. Yeah, I like to tell the story about where I was because I was within my first year at Productivity, Inc. I have told you already, I believe that I used to be a Latin teacher. I used to be an actor in New York. I used to be a checkout person at Kroger's. I had a varied past. But I was a Latin teacher, so I I understood language. And I actually was going to be a, a linguist. But I got more interested in the social dynamic of language rather than the uh, technology of language. So, you know what? I remember I was in productivity, this company that brought all this material from Japan, and I was sitting in a chair one day with a new colleague. Her name was Connie Dyer. She used to be a lawyer. And somebody came running down the hallway and said, A a translator, by the way, translator from Japanese to English. And it was, quick, quick, I need five words that begin with S. I'm translating this thing. This is 1983, 84, maybe even 82. I'm translating this thing called five S's, and I need five words that begin with S that sort of mean, you know, get rid of the junk, sort through, sort out, keep it clean, shine, and on and on. And Connie and I sat there. We made up five words. Now, regrettably or not, we were members of a publishing company, and a consulting company, and a training company. But primarily, the first, the first organizational uh, purpose of Productivity Inc. was to publish books from Japan. And so, our very mediocre translation went right into a lot of books. And it was not a good translation, as I discovered over the years. Well, the same liberty that Connie and I took with the language, many, many other people took with the language. They just made stuff up. In fact, over the years, I've collected a variety of translations for five S's. So let me give you a little sample. Sort, scrub, set in order, simplify, sustain. Sort, stabilize, scrub, safety, sustain. Sort, stabilize, shine, standardize, sustain. May I go on? Short, <laughs> sort, sort, shine, straighten, standardize. Sort, simplify, sweep, standardize, sustain. Separate. Here's another set. This is another set. I went through about five of them then. Here's another one. Separate, set in order, sweep, standardize, sustain. Here's another set. Safety, sort, set, shine, sustain. And you can follow the logic there. Somebody said, Well, wait a minute, we have to put safety first. And you know what? We have a problem. The 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 English speaking word began to pitch in their translations. Everyone was well meeting. Just the same as Connie and I, only we were ignorant. I certainly can say that with uh, um, all honesty and strength. Connie and I were ignorant of what it was supposed to mean. And we had the beginnings of a big problem. 5S, so simple, so straight, so sure in Japan, began to morph. And companies began to experience problems with 5S with our simple English equivalents. It just wasn't performing on the promised level. Well, first of all, the U.S. workforce objective, objected, I beg your pardon, objected, they had never been asked to clean up after themselves before. This is the 1980s. All of a sudden, they were supposed to do it every day, day after day, day after day. What are you, my mother? I was frequently asked. Well, I stopped asking people to clean up. That was for sure, because I not only looked like their mother, I looked like some other female entities as well. Hmm? The unions were already irritated with the new expectations from the so-called Japanese miracle. They had begun to balk, not at the importance of cleanliness and order, but by the way in which management was pushing it their way. We feel like babies. And I remember one gentleman in texas came up to me and he said i'm a deacon at my church young lady i have five kids and a mortgage don't tell me to clean up after myself he was completely correct the model emotionally speaking just didn't fit our value system and then the translations went all over the place i mean listen to the difference between simplify standardize systematize Suddenly, this is my take on it, suddenly people decided to make those five S's do their purpose. Suddenly, people decided to put their agenda in the five S's. And I will tell you, because I have, I've seen this so often, that you cannot use five S's to standardize anything except the five S's. But people found the opportunity in the word standardized to start standardizing everything. Standardization is very important. Standardizing is very important. Standards are very important. But you don't cram it into one little five S process. You know, in Japan, five S is one of four or five sub-processes that help operators, if you will, value-add associates, contribute. Kata, which just came to our shores within the last five or six years, was always a part of it. 5S was a part of it, a different protocol. Another protocol was Taien, the Japanese suggestion system. And because we as citizens of the United States are extremely innovative and – could I say, iconoclasts, we like to do things differently, we started stuffing everything onto our 5S. And it just ground to a halt in many companies, not in all companies. Some companies either got lucky or did it right. But it was difficult. It was difficult. Clean up after yourself. Oh, yeah. Good luck. As I went back through the translation the various translations with my 30 years of hindsight, I've kind of come upon the closest English translation I'm able to come up with of what 5S meant in Japan before we got our hands on it. Kind of looked at the old versions of this uh, protocol to try to find a balance point that said, this is pretty close I think, Gwendolyn thinks, to what the Japanese wanted us to do. The first one was Sari, S1. Segregate and remove. Clearly distinguish between what is needed and what is not needed and remove what is not needed. Satan S2. Arrange and identify. Arrange needed items so they can be found quickly by anyone and identify them which basically meant at the time, stick a label on them. I have a different attitude today I want to quickly say about identify, but that's because it's been evolving for me for the last 30 years. S3, say so. Clean up daily. Create a spotless work area. S4, saketsu. Adhere to the first three S's for safety's sake. Be regular about cleanup activities. Make them specific and easy to perform so safety is maintained. Can you see how someone might turn it into the shorthand of standardized but get away from its true meaning, its genuine, its authentic meaning and how standardized could become a galloping herd of horses going fast but maybe not in the right direction and maybe not under control, maybe with a lot of emphasis on standardized and maybe not that much on the fundamental activity. Hmm? S4, S5, Shitsuke, develop the habit. Develop the habit of compliance. Promote your commitment to a safe, high-performance workplace so it stays that way. And one can see quite naturally how out of Shitsuke, develop the habit of compliance, the audit comes. The audit is the perfect tool. If we're trying to develop the habit of compliance, let's use a compliance protocol. Compliance is audit. Audit is compliance. Let's make sure you're doing it repetitively, reliably, the same way. There's not a lot of room there for invention creativity the satisfaction of contributing something new but the japanese had the tan suggestion system i meant the gentleman who in the second year in a row this was that Okidata, data the second year in the row in a row had won the uh, award for the most implemented improvement ideas throughout japan one year, he did 13,000. The year that I met him, he did 14,000. 14,000 implemented ideas in one year. He told me about it. He said, yes, every I think about this all day, and when I go home, my wife has my, my dinner ready, and after dinner, I dictate her to her, all the ideas that I've had. And she'll write them down properly in the form. The next day, he comes in with a whole bundle. What fun. 14,000 ideas. But the ideas did not come out of the 5S process. That was for keeping it safe and clean and orderly so you could perform your tasks in a spotless work area. And let's keep that up. Mm -hmm. Very, very interesting. These English equivalents actually, did they do us harm? Well, I think what happened is they actually stopped people from liking the idea of 5S and they made us at the same time a little bit too reliant. And that was a gap. And there was another gap. And that gap came out In Jim Womack's book, Dan Jones and Jim Womack, in 1997, they published their Lean Thinking book, and they touted 5S as the indispensable first step to operational excellence. Of course it is. You have to have a clean and orderly workplace. But you shouldn't throw away that opportunity. You shouldn't just make it happen. What I want to promote to you, for you to think about, is to actually use the process of making the workplace make sense, clean and orderly, as a process of inventiveness, creativity, contribution. But you'll have to make some adjustments in the Japanese model in order to do that. I prefer that than forcing people to do the same thing day after day, day after day. I'm talking about American people, people in the United States. And I would also say people in the Americas, because a more rambunctious group of people you will never meet than the Canadians. And my experience with the Mexican society, with people in Mexico, is that they're full of ideas. And they could hardly wait to manifest them. This is very much a part of the Western psyche. Difference and enjoying that difference. Five S cannot, from Japan, solve our employee indifference problem. If you do not have a, motiv- a motivated, spirited, and engaged workforce... 5S is not going to be a solution maker for you. It isn't built that way. However, I will say (laughs) the modifications that I've made does exactly that, get you marvelous outcomes and marvelously engaged employees. But let's go back to the gap about the audit. There are a lot of companies that run their 5S through audits, and people take a certain amount of pride in getting high marks, all fives, all tens, it's usually all fives. But where do you go from there? Now, the audit, as I said before, really fits the Japanese psyche. Learn the rules, follow the rules, check the rules, do this with precision, pursue perfection. Hmm? And a list a 6S, a 5S checklist, do this, do that, do this, do that. This is what we mean. But there are three fundamental problems for the West with the 5S audit. The first problem is that it's an audit. <laughs> it's an audit. By definition, that means an official examination that assesses the adequacies of certain processes and outcomes against a preset rules profile. It's a compliance tool. How is it possible to cultivate creative thinking through the go-no-go audit protocol? Complying is not the same as improving. It just isn't. That's the first problem, that it's an audit to begin with. The second problem, if I may call it that, most US companies that deploy 5s do so incompletely anyway. And so auditing the result is questionable. You know as well as I that most companies stop at needless neat, neatness, I beg your pardon, neatness, cleanliness and order. S1, S2s3 if you want to translate it. S1 sort, S2 shine, S3 set in order. And as a result, most 5S audits in the U.S. assess compliance against only those three and stop there. Why? Well, because we don't examine what we don't understand. And people don't understand how to mine the visual opportunity in 5S. And therefore, they don't audit for it. They audit for labels and lines, but that's not visuality. That's not the visual wear, labels and lines. The language that I've developed for that, and I like it a lot, is borders and addresses, because the borders function. Lines are arithmetic. They're simply the connecting point between two dots, between two points. They connect two points. That's what a line does. label the same thing. It's so highly generic. So that's a problem as well. We audit, but we also don't implement completely, so we just audit what we know, and we leave the rest alone, and what kind of an audit is that? And the third problem is that US companies that do deploy 5S by the book have an audible, an auditable, an auditable event, but only that. They use Japan's 5S audit or their own 5S audit as a compliance construct focused systematic rule base, and it works. But when they seek, and I know I'm talking about some of you. If you're having success, keep going, keep doing it, congratulations. Tell me about it. I'd love to know. And I know that many companies are successful, but if you're not doing so well, if you're struggling, if you're wondering why the audit is something that is not welcomed or celebrated, it may be because it's really hard to use an audit tool for employee engagement. And if there's no other pro-employee framework, you may be attempting to squeeze personal and team growth into a very, very narrow box, the 5S audit, however well-meaning you are. Hmm? Even 5S, when it is done well, cannot create a world-class cultural outcome. It's just not made for that. <laughs> if you've been doing it, boy, you've got the secret of the sauce. Tell us how. Cuz I've never seen an spirited and engaged workforce coming out of 5S audits, however successful they may be as an audit tool. Where people really celebrate their victories and they plow back into their next iteration what they learned from the assessment, and they strive for higher levels, more complete levels, spirited and engaged. I haven't seen it. And I'll say to you, I believe that in a very important way, we do not ask Pressingly enough, what does it mean to be engaged? Not just involved, but engaged. What does it mean to be spirited in your work, in my work, in our work? Hmm? Do we know what that feels like? Do we understand what Ono meant when he said people don't come to Toyota to work? They come to think? That my primary job is to think even though I'm just assembling an automobile, a Toyota. What is the thinking part that should be so rich that I celebrate it? And so does Mr. Ono. So rich and engaging and so intoxicating that when I think about going to work, I think, ah, now's my chance. I'm going to continue thinking. What is it like to, in fact, create a work culture with that as the outcome? That you describe your work culture as people come to my company, this company, to think. And no, they're not software engineers. They're not scientists of the genome, they're scientists of work. What would it be like if that was an outcome that was inspirational, visionary for you? We're going to keep folding and refolding this question because it is one that I'm very interested in and I think we have a lot to share. But right now, I want to give you a few pointers about helping your 5S just the way it is. So, the Japanese use 5S to establish and maintain a clear, clean, safe, and orderly workplace, period. Works well in Japan. And it works very, very well in Japanese transplants, but not so well in many other Western companies that aren't transplants. I think that part of the problem is in the language. I think, in fact, we shouldn't be talking about implementing neat and clean and orderly. We shouldn't be thinking of that as a, vic- as a victory. That is a fundamental, and like I said, it's very hard to get adults to clean up after themselves, especially if I'm asking them to do it. They're likely to push back. I like to talk about implementing visuality. I like to talk about creating visual answers to recurrent chronic questions around the where. I like to talk about making the wear visual. And for me, within that framework, the cleanup part is done in order to prepare the physical workplace to hold visual information rather than cleaning as an independent outcome. Of course, your workplace needs to be clean. But if you want to link it to the next step, let it be in service to the next step. So we're going to clean, we're going to clean it good. And how about this? We're going to look for ways to never have to clean it again. While we're cleaning, we're actually going to be thinking And inventing and solving. That's the outcome. We're going to do our S2, if in fact that is your S2, shine. Shine the workplace and everything in it. And we're going to make everything shine. But while we're doing that, we're going to look for ways to prevent cleaning. What would happen if you added just that? Don't make it clean to make me happy or your boss, my boss, or God. Don't make it clean to demonstrate to me that you're capable of discipline with all its heavy cultural overlays. Just prepare the physical workplace so it's capable of holding visual information. Information can't stick on dust and grime and grease. Like that, you see. Clean it once. Clean it good. And let's look for ways. Let's prevent dirt. Look for ways to never have to clean it again. Do you remember I told you about the first building block? I spent a lot of time, I think a whole show on it, a few shows back, about eye-driven and the importance of the eye. You really must find a way to make, if you're going to proceed with five S's, to make those S's speak to me. As the I. I-driven. What can I contribute to the process in order to make it better, safer, faster if that's a premium, better quality? What can I do? I love, well, I won't tell you who said this, but here's my favorite definition of discipline. It'll sound like Oprah, but it isn't. This is a legitimate, found-in-a-book definition for discipline. Discipline is remembering what you love. Wow, isn't that amazing? Discipline is remembering what you love. And no, Oprah didn't say it. A very grand, famous, and now passed on, scientist said that with a full heart. You know who it was? Yeah, it was Einstein. Albert Einstein. Boy, his nuggets were just golden. And this is one of them. Discipline is remembering what you love. Because if I love it, I'm not going to have to have you beat on me for me to remember to do it or do it well or do it again. I do it because I love it. I'm internally motivated. I'm eye-driven. So when we get to S, whatever your S is for cleaning, make it meaningful. Let me see I in it. Let me see me in it. Let me make a contribution. And you know what? This S1, get rid of the junk, sort through, sort out, for me, and I'll tell you a story the next time we meet about this, for me, That S is a very dangerous S, sort through, sort out. It seems simple, but you know what? You can get into a heck of a lot of trouble because you're going to ask people to throw out stuff that you call junk and they don't. You're going to use the red tag system. And you're probably going to make the mistake of using it as a voting, a proxy for voting where the majority rules and whatever the fate of the item that we're going to throw out, we'll have to agree upon it. And people are going to vote to throw something out that's really important to me. S1, sort through, sort out. The mistake that companies make in moving too quickly to voting or to teams when they use red tagging as an excuse to jam a team in place so that there are enough people to decide in favor of getting rid of this or that offensive item. Red tagging, you know what that is. Red is for get rid of it, green is for keep it, and then you have this yellow in between that is, gee, I'm not sure. I'm not sure yet. There's books, there are books and books and books written on the tacking system. But be careful, be careful, because you know what, I can say it this way, I lied to you a moment ago when I said the first S is for sort through, sort out. It is not. The first S is for spirit. The first S is for the spirit of the workplace and the spirit inside of each operator. And if you balk at the word spirit, you can say the first S is for respect. But, you know, people might think you're illiterate if you do. I mean, it's up to you. (laughs) When I say the first S is for spirit, I mean be careful of the power that's within that operator and that group of operators They have their own will. Don't get into the trap of using red tacking as a vote because it will turn the journey of 5S or the journey to a visual workplace into a battleground. The tribal majority will certainly win the battle. The offending item will certainly be removed, but the war will be lost. The war against waste, the war against my name for waste, which is motion moving without working in all of its thousands of perverse forms. And you will lose the battle of the victory of a fully empowered and unified workforce. It's a great loss. It is tied to not understanding the mechanics of implementing. And that is you can create a change. You can't change the workplace. You can't change work habits without changing people. And people know that. They will say to you, I have nothing, nothing against change. Just don't try to change me. That's the nub of it. And so at the very beginning of this journey, when you're doing your 5S, you really do have to be extra special careful to respect that individual. Oh, by the way, I have been told by a Japanese expert that the translation that came into the United States as respect for the individual is actually respect for humanity. This is Drew Dillon, who did so many of the translations for productivity in the 1980s and 1990s. We were having a conversation, and he said, it's really respect for, respect humanity respect mankind, it's much wider. But that has morphed the way the five S, the way five S's did when they came here into respect for the individual. And I think that is a lesson that actually we in the United States can learn and learn again and learn better all the time to be able to see that individual standing in the way of what we want and understanding that individual is not a barrier or a barricade. It's someone to have a conversation with, listen to, learn from, and grow together. You know, this is a good lesson for us as a society. S is an opportunity. But here's the thing about 5S. It has to be rich enough in outcome to warrant that kind of careful study and carefulness And the 5S that is auditable is not rich enough. It doesn't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. There isn't a second iteration, a third, a fourth. There's no growth. There's only repetitiveness. If you have managed to succeed in getting people excited about your audit, it's because you know this and you've moved it forward into richness, so that people can identify as creators or scientists while they're doing 5S. You have to move in this direction. And the other thing, you know, I want to say to you as a takeaway for today is I would change the language. If you call it 5S, I would find a way to call it a little bit more. For example, instead of calling it 5S, You could call it visual factory, visual hospital, visual office, visual workplace, visual loading dock, visual planning. I remember, (laughs) it reminds me of, I remember this wonderful black dress, and I will emphasize this wonderful little black dress that I wore to a Rolls-Royce dinner Very fancy Rolls Royce dinner in the UK. And I loved that dress. And it was small. And I kept that dress. I have it still. And it doesn't fit anymore. But when I think about fitting into that dress, I think about that evening and I think about how that dress looked on me. I don't think about. I make a point of not thinking about the process that will get me there, the exercise, the cottage cheese, the daily exercise, the cottage cheese and fruit that I will have to eat for a very long time. I don't think about the process. I think about my visionary outcome. Why not think about 5S like that? Why not understand or seek to understand that 5S is... The word for a process, not an outcome. It is to do the five S's and do it again, and do it again, and do it again. I don't know about you, but for me, it's hard for me to get excited about that. But if instead the outcome is a workplace that speaks, or a workplace that shares information visually that shares performance factors visually that shares performance SOPs and specs visually ah i can do that that's something that doesn't have an actual end it is a developing outcome it is a vision And I would wager that if you make that little change, you could get more mileage out of your current 5S. You could even call it visual 5S. That's going to trigger something. That's going to trigger interest. That's going to trigger the imagination. That's going to trigger contribution and creativity. Visual 5S. I want to see examples of visual 5S. What does that mean? Well, you'll get iterations. Or 5S visual. I remember Lockheed Martin when I was working with them. This was when they were challenging for the Joint Strike Fighter. They liked their success. And they because they liked to say this. You have to listen carefully. Success, success. Did you get that? Success, success. They <laughs> don't run around saying that. Success, success. But they called it. Out of, you know, kind of, they bowed to me and said, okay, okay, Gwendolyn, we'll do it that way. They called it success visual. So they could still say success, success, but it was success visual success. <laughs> Gave us a little breathing room between the words to really get it. <laughs> Try that. Words really matter. Success visual, 5S visual, visual visual. Hospital, Visual Factory, Visual, I don't know, Visual Apple, Visual Amazon. Do you see? It's got something to reach for in it. This is our show about 5S. We're going to talk more and more about operator-led visuality. But at 5S, you're either successful at it or you're not so successful and you need to make a change, make a change. Bring in the I. Give the I, the individual, something to do, to find, to discover, to improve as part of your 5S process. At least let your operators create their own audit. Let them create their own audit. And the way that I used to do it when I did 5S audits is that I would have something called a 5S patrol. Where there would be everybody in the work area, alphabetical by first name or alphabetical by last name, would pair up with a person. And for that week or maybe a month, that was long enough, they would be responsible for auditing. They would audit themselves. And there'd be seven items. We'd usually keep it between seven and ten. They'd have their seven items and they'd pick out three that they wanted the group to work on. Low scores. And they would be in charge. Okay, this week I'm in charge with my buddy Marianne. And we want you to work on these three. Let's do these three this week and really nail it. Let's get so good at these three that in a couple of three weeks we can take these items off our audit and put some new items on instead. So the audit process itself became very interesting. Do you see? Look for ways like that. And then the next week, Marianne would stay in place and the next person, alphabetical by first name or last name, would take over and she would hold the history and they would go through that cycle together, whether it was a week, two weeks, or a month. And then they would do it. And then when the rotation happened, Marianne would leave and somebody and the second person with her would become the holder of the history. And so... What was happening while the audit was happening was that people were having a chance to learn about and exercise leadership, make decisions, think, formulate, set the direction. They'd have their go at it and then they'd cycle off and the next person would. And that enlivened the process. I would say that the audit process has some real drawbacks, but you can make it go a little bit better and maybe even greatly in that way. Think about these things. We're going to weave stories of operator-led visuality for as long as I do this, whether it's for a year or another five years the way it was before. There is much to share about the glory of doorway number one and how to make it not only go, but become the foundation of your enterprise excellence. We'll do some case studies as well. Three or four of them come to mind right now. There is glory in doorway, number one. So much to learn, so much to share, so much growth. Today was, I, I haven't made up my mind yet whether or not I'll listen to the show and see if I want to go uh into doorway number one for another go-round. I don't want to lose you to lose sight of the fact that there are nine more doorways. <laughs> so we might pick up um, visual standards next week. I want you to get this stuff because I have found it to be so fascinating and so helpful to think about visuality as a language but then to see these doorways open with people finding the vocabulary that's going to help them do their work in terms of need to know and share their work in terms of information that they have to share with others. This is what the visual workplace is about. It's about creating this very rich language of enterprise excellence, visual enterprise excellence. Visuality is a complete, powerful, and equal partner to lean, like two wings of a bird There's no question about which is more important. That's the wrong question. Like the wings of a bird, visuality and lean are of equal importance. I'll thread that theme through also as we move down this road together. I had a really wonderful time talking with you today. I always enjoy it. It always refreshes me. Please come back for our next show. I'm going to sign off now. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth. I'm signing off and I say, let the workplace speak. Thank you for joining us this week at Visual Workplace Radio. Tune in for another episode next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, with your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Let the workplace speak.